Chapter 19 of Mabel Ross, The Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 Cold November. The cold and damp which ushered in the next day determined Mabel to keep Hilda at home, as she would herself be necessitated to be out. A fresh supply of coal must be gotten and to pay for this, some vests must be taken home, and money procured for them. Mabel herself must do this, and quite early after her early breakfast, she prepared to depart on her mission. In some respects, Lily did not appear much indisposed today, but soon as Mabel was gone, she gave evidence of a restlessness which quite embarrassed Hilda. The latter was particularly awkward in her attempt to give ease to the little sufferer by change of position, and Lily's frequent demands for such change, this morning, resulted in discomfort to herself as well as to her nurse. The cry of a ragman from the street finally aroused a keen desire upon the part of the child to sit up at the window, and though Hilda combated the idea for some time, she was at length obliged to do her best to place the little girl comfortably in the big chair, which commanded, from its elevation and position, a view of the crowded neighborhood. It being a chilly day, the sash was closed, and a thick shawl had to be thrown around the little invalid. With her face pressed against the glass, Lily glanced curiously about her, for this was but the second time she had sat at the window since coming to their new home. Dreary enough was the scene. Not even the ragman was there, with his cart full of coarse bundles, and the little boy, such an odd miniature of himself, who sat behind him among the rags, and so curiously echoed his cry. The time taken up by Hilda in endeavoring to dissuade her little charge from a fancy which she believed fraught with risk to her had given the cart time to make its slow progress by the near houses and disappear around a corner. The ragman had probably done small business in such neighborhoods today. There were plenty of rags, to be sure, but there was something in that November morning which suggested to their owners the wisdom of keeping them to wrap about their own wretched limbs. A look of blank disappointment only first showed itself on Lily's face, as the result of her survey. But she, after a time, became so interested in watching the erratic wanderings of some half-grown chicks and goslings around and in the pools of muddy water, that she quite forgot to make comparisons between the ugly view before her and Mrs. Power's garden. This amusement did not last very long, however. The old restlessness and pains returned to break her quiet, and little Lily was even more urgent to be put back to bed than she had been to be placed at the window. A period of uneasiness and suffering followed, which seriously discomposed Hilda, who, in her experience of the little patient, had seen nothing exactly resembling it. Morphine was given, according to directions left by Mabel, but its effect was slow and Hilda looked more anxiously every minute for the return of Mabel. The cold had sensibly increased since the time of Mabel's leaving, and thoughtful for the well-doing of Lily, whose condition rendered her peculiarly sensitive to cold or damp, the former made all the speed she could to get home to her. It was a great relief to Mabel, upon entering the room, to find that Hilda had been careful to keep up a good fire. Lily was by this time somewhat soothed, though her countenance still gave evidence of distress. "'Now Mabel's come. I'll be better,' said the poor child. "'Dear Mabel, I'll just lay still, so still, and then I'll be all right. 
You'll stay by me, and I won't cry. Patient child and devoted nurse. This was but the commencement of a long period of suffering and distress for both. The malaria of the wretched neighborhood was telling upon the enfeebled frame of little Lily, making it yet more difficult for nature to contend with the disease under which she labored. This afternoon the coal will be here, said Mabel to Hilda, and what we have will supply the fire till then. I think this cold turn is a commencement of winter. I'm afraid it is, replied Hilda, with a very grave look at Mabel. I suppose you only got a little coal, as I heard you say you had so much to do with the money. I got four dollars worth, rejoined Mabel. I recollected that the expense of hauling and putting in would be the same on a smaller quantity as on a larger. Then you have not enough to get the tea and sugar, Mabel, and didn't you say there would be none for breakfast tomorrow unless you got some? There will be some for Lily, dear Hilda for we will take none ourselves this evening. This was said in a whisper, for Lily's eyes were fixed on the speaker. The poor child mustn't be worried by knowing it, Mabel proceeded in the same tone. But from this time, Hilda, until better days come for us, you and I must give up these expensive luxuries. Everything that we can give up must be given up. You understand, Hilda? given up that she may have all that is needed. Yes, Mabel, I'll give up anything, everything for that. I knew you would, my sister. And Mabel pressed the hand that had been placed upon her shoulder. Mabel, are we going to have a very, very hard time? Don't be afraid to tell me the worst. I trust and believe, dear Hilda, that we shall get through the winter with what, to us now, is comfort. I do not anticipate anything like want. All my efforts will be given to making sure of needful things for dear Lily, and keeping out of debt, which to us would be ruin. We are both in health and strength, both ready to bear and to do all we can. Therefore, there is no cause to despond. Mabel, I commence at the sail loft tomorrow, and I'll work, oh, I'll work like two girls, but I'll get something worth bringing home to you. We're paid by the piece there, and one can make more than another. There's not a girl or woman of them all shall make more than I do. You will do your best, dear Hilda, I am sure of that. But don't expect too much at first, or you will have cause for disappointment. Remember, the work is new to you and must be particularly trying on the hands. If you can do no better than keep at it, you will, after a time, work well, I don't doubt. Mabel, I will keep at it, and from this time I make no more complaint of work or prices. All I will think of is doing as much as I can. I must make enough to cover all my expenses to you, and maybe I may even get something, over and above, to help you along with poor Lily. How proud and happy I'd be to do that! Don't despair of me, Mabel. I never despair of you, my sister. How I wish it were tomorrow, Mabel! I want so to be trying this new work that I hope to make something at. But there are hours before tomorrow, and I have plenty to do in them, too. I must get at my mending." for there'll be no time but after dark for that, 
when I've once entered at the sail loft. She went to the closet and brought forth various articles of clothing. There's one dress, she said, handling it with care, that needs no stitch in it and won't for many a day to come. It's as fine and good a merino as Cousin Algin got for herself, and I'm sure I'm obliged to her for it, more now than the day she gave it to me. That dress and the shawl, got at the same time, will be everything to me this winter. When I have them on, I feel a little more like old times, less like those poor sewing girls who are almost reduced to their last rag. Mabel, I think it would take all soul out of me to have nothing better than many of those poor girls have. End of chapter 19